Welcome to Argyle Chat, the weekly Argyle podcast brought to you by Plymouth Live Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Argyle Chat. We're a little short on numbers again today, so it's just myself and Chris. Hi, Chris. Stu, good morning. How are you? Yeah, very good, thank you. Yeah, done a fair bit of travelling, it seems like, the last few days. I with, um, going up to Mill last Wednesday and then back off to Portsmouth uh, on Saturday. Uh, we're sorry to hear about those Argyle fans on the... On yeah. the coach that caught, caught up in that incident, which ended up with the coach exploding into fire. It looked very scary, but um, it sounds as though everyone was safe and well, although they didn't get back till very late Saturday night. I think it might have even been the early hours of Sunday morning, so uh, yeah. commiserations with those guys, but glad that they're uh, okay. Yeah, well, I, I did a lot of the socialing for that mm. on Saturday night, actually, and the amount of sort of um, you know yeah. sympathy and yeah. you know, thoughts from the football fraternity, really, was, was really nice to see. Everyone was... You know, kind of hoping everyone was okay and yeah. got it, home safely, which, as you say, I think they did in the end. So. Yeah, but you know, three 0 defeat at Fratton Park, and then all that. To, Talk about a bad that, day. That, that really <laughs> tests your uh, endurance as Absolutely, a football fan, doesn't yeah. it? But uh, yeah. yeah, you know, hopefully, yeah, all's all's okay. Indeed. Um, well, let's talk about the game then. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it's not a game that Argyle fans like to lose, being a, a bit mm. of a sort of derby game. Mm. Um, and it didn't sound like they played particularly well either. No, it was. Um, it was two teams with contrasting form, wasn't it, going into that game? You know, Portsmouth unbeaten, uh, flying high, Argyle bottom of the table, and, and short of confidence. And uh, I certainly thought in the first half you could you could see the difference. Portsmouth were, were much more on the front foot. I mean, there's nearly nineteen thousand at Fratton Park, uh, twelve hundred Argyle fans there. You know, it is a, a hostile atmosphere when you go there as an away team. It is difficult to get yourself into a game when Portsmouth start as well as they did. They got the goal midway through the first half, um, and you know they were they were they were good value for the lead at half time. Although Argyle, I think, did show signs um, approaching the break of getting into the game a bit. Jamie Ness had one um, one good shot that was tipped over the bar, and there was a penalty incident which we can we can talk about in a moment. I thought after um, Carey and the Miras came on at half time, a double change. I thought Argyle improved. Um, Derek Adams didn't, but. You know, you know, everyone sees games differently. I yeah. thought there was a bit more from Argo going forward. Derek Adams did make the point that Argo, Argo didn't create chances. Uh, Carey did have one shot which hit the hit the post uh, when it was one nil. Uh, tight angle, good shot. If that had just sneaked inside the post, one one. You know, who knows? But football's always about what ifs, isn't it? And, Absolutely. Uh, you know, Portsmouth went on, got the second goal, and after that a third one soon afterwards and there was no way back and it was just a case of uh, would Portsmouth had to their tally really after that so 3-0 uh, apart from say maybe 10 minutes either side of half time uh, you know Portsmouth were the better team and um, you know Argyle's uh, defending was, was, was poor again Yeah we'll come on to the defence mm-hmm. in a minute but um, you mentioned there the, uh, the penalty mm-hmm. there was a, a penalty shout mm-hmm. in the first half mm-hmm. um, did you feel it was as clear cut as, as Derek Adams made out I mean no. he said it was a stonewall penalty yeah I mean no I mean I think I'd probably say I'd seen them given um, but not always sort of thing um, it was one of those where you know the Dapos got there pushed the ball past the keeper uh, and then you know um, could the keeper have stopped himself did he impede Ladabo from running around him and getting to the loose ball and tapping it in the net um, I wasn't convinced it was a penalty no I've got to be honest but um, again you know 
sometimes you get those breaks yeah. in, in, in games and sometimes you don't um, and when you're down at the bottom of the table it's, it seems like nothing goes your way no it? absolutely and I think that might have been part of Derek Adams' reaction to it you know that he's seen his team concede lots of penalties uh, some definite some you know maybe a little bit debatable and you know when things aren't going your way and you you, you're desperate to get a penalty, you know. Uh, to, to that would have been to give Argyle a lead if uh, yeah. if it had been given. So um, it was it was a talking point, but um, you know I think you know looking at looking at it at the piece, you know Portsmouth were the better team and deserved to win. There's there's no real quibbling about that. Yeah, he said there were two other penalty shouts as well. Yeah, there was. Um, there was one on, on Anthony Sarsovic where no I don't think so he, he went down in the box and might have been a little bit of contact but no I don't think so and there was one where he, he said that um, Stuart Keith got uh, got whacked by the Portsmouth keeper again you know, I'm, I'm not sure you know about those two the, the, the Lapo one you know maybe may uh, but n- not the other two for me yeah um, you mentioned the defence as well mm. it, it seems like he can't get that settled back line at the moment he's chopping it and changing it and no one's really putting their hands up and and claiming that shirt on a regular basis yeah just before we've recorded the podcast you, I've done a sort of uh, an opinion piece on on how much Argyle are mass- missing Sonny Bradley and Oscar Threlko um, after their departures and um, you know, I didn't go into all of that because then you won't read it on the on the website, <laughs> will you? If I if I tell you all the things I, I said, but I, it was the centre backs is a, is an interesting issue because they've played eight games this season and they've already had, already had three different combinations. So they've had Ryan Edwards and Scott Wooten, they've had Scott Wooten and Niall Canavan, and now they're on to Ryan Edwards and Gary Sawyer. So three centre back pairings in the first eight games isn't ideal because you know centre backs work as pairs. It's good for them to have understanding. Particularly the left-sided centre-backs, you know, you've had uh, Scott Wooten there, Noah Canavan there, and Gary Sawyer there in the first eight games. Now, again, that suggests, doesn't it, that that position is a problem. Yeah. And, of course, that was a position that Sonny Bradley filled pretty much every game for the last two seasons. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's an issue that needs to be uh, addressed. You, 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 any successful side has a regular centre-back pairing, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, you think of... You can top to bottom, well, can't yeah, you? Any, any successful club, yeah. Uh, or on national teams or whatever. If you've got two nailed on centre-backs, then um, that's good. So that's something that Argyle need to address. But, you know, some of the goals that they are conceding and the way they're giving the ball away is in the centre-backs' fault. I mean, uh, first goal against Portsmouth, Jan Songo didn't win the ball in midfield. Um, and let me try and get this right, the right way around. The third goal, Graham Carey's giving the ball away in the centre of the pitch and Portsmouth are broken clear and scored so... It's very difficult to blame the defence completely or the centre-backs completely when players further up the pitch are giving the ball away cheaply yeah. and in bad positions and allowing the opposition to break. So I think when, when we talk about Argyle's defending, we are talking about their defending as a team at the moment rather than particular individuals. Yeah, and I noticed as well you mentioned the full-backs in your match mm. ratings at the mm. weekend and said there were just far too many crosses coming mm. into the box. And it was the same at Millwall as well. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's definitely becoming a theme that needs to be addressed because... Um, it's one thing sort of being in the general area, but you've, you've got to make, to my mind, you've got to make a real effort to stop that cross mm. coming in. You know, you know, outstretch, le- outstretch legs, things like that. Do anything you can to make sure, even if you get um, a, a nick on the cross and it loops up in the air, but it's not going to the intended target. At least it improves your chances of dealing with the situ- de- dealing with the situation. Yeah. So, um, I just think collectively they've got to work harder and uh, put more into defending their box and. Because again, it's, it's a, it doesn't matter what level of football. You know, law of averages says that the more times 
you get the ball in the opposition penalty area, your chances of scoring are going to improve, yeah. aren't they? If you stop it at source, then you're, Correct. you're, create, you're taking away that, that chance of scoring, aren't yeah, you? Absolutely. Um, are there signs of improvement? Though? I mean, you know, at the moment, we're still in this situation mm. where we are slowly starting to hear more and more mm. of the Adams Out Brigade again. Yeah. Um, obviously, I think it's, and I'm sure you do too, far too early for that sort of mm. talk right now. Um, but there are some people saying that while the same thing happened this time last year, there were signs of improvement last year, but this mm. year it doesn't seem to be that way. You know, people are sort of scratching their heads and, and wondering where the goals are going to come from and how they're going to keep the yeah. ball out the back of the net, really. Yeah, it's. No, I think the problem is that you touched on, on the intro there that there isn't really a settled team, there isn't really a settled formation at the moment. It feels like Derek Adams is trying to find a combination of. of Centre backs of attacking players, you know, mid, try, just trying to find a general balance to the team. Um, but that's always very difficult to do when you're not winning games because you know you, you mm. keep changing to try and find a winning formation. You, you're not winning, so you keep trying to change and change and change. And at some point, that's where you need to get, you know, a couple of results, two or three results, so you can start building and going forward. And we've had this conversation on the podcast before, but you know, in situations like this, that what you have to do is make yourself really hard to beat and even if you only draw if you draw two two yeah. games in a row three games in a row it's at a least block. it's a starting block and then it gives you something to build on so that's what I think Argyle need to be doing making themselves harder to beat stop crosses coming into the box win their individual battles um, yes they might not be able to play as um, and you know attacking as, as we would all like them to see them do but they need to start putting points on the board they need to build up the results get some um, get some results going so um are the signs of improvement? Well, you know, the last three games they've conceded 11 goals. You know, that's that's not great. I mean, they've played against three good sides, Peterborough, Millwall and Portsmouth, and they've gifted them quite a few of those goals. But, um, no, I think, you know, defensively and going forward, there's, there's still a lot to do. Yeah, it's interesting to see the centre-halves because, mm. um, obviously, you know, he did bring a fair few in over mm. the summer. And it, on Saturday, he went back to playing Gary Sawyer, mm. which... Yeah. Perhaps doesn't say he's got too much confidence in some of the others at the moment. Again, it's just trying to find a formation and a system that works. Um, you know, Gary Sawyer is quite happy playing at centre back. You know, he, he he says so himself. You know that if he'd been perhaps a a, a little bit taller, yeah, um, that probably would have been his position he's, he's played in because he's got lots of attributes um, to be a centre back apart from maybe just that not, just that little bit of height isn't there. Yeah. Um, you know. Not every team in, in League One, to be fair, has a really big centre you know, centre centre forward. So you can sometimes get away with that. But it is interesting that, that Derek Adams is looking at looking at that. He's given him the last couple of games there and um you know Gary Soyle's played most of his games for Derek Adams as a fullback, so it is interesting that he is now trying him out of centre back, yeah. which shows that yes, he's clearly not one hundred percent happy with uh, with the options he's got there at the moment. Yeah, I mean I'm not I'm not too sure you, you probably know better well you will know better than me but obviously Sawyer's a left footed mm -hmm. defender yeah. what about the others are there other left footed yeah, centre Can Canavan, Canavan's uh, can play there and, and Scott Wooten did the first couple of games played on the left uh, but he's I think more naturally right footed sort of thing so if you went with the Edwards Wooten combination you've got one player that's that's not going to be on their on their natural side of I think so that's that's where you like that balance isn't it you know to, yeah. if you can get two centre backs Left and right footed naturally, you know that's you know why um, say uh, Zach Viner and Sonny Bradley worked well last season. You know two, you know Bradley left footed, Viner right footed, Viner was right footed, so Bradley and Edwards, you know, was a 
was yeah. a good system. If you can find, and as you say, Bradley was such a regular. He was there for two years, pretty much consistently, yeah. wasn't yeah. he? So, so it's, it's you know, there's there's lots of uh, ifs and buts and maybes, and uh, they they just need to get a result or two, one way or the other, just to get something on the board, get a bit of confidence, give them something to build on, because at the moment it just feels that nothing's really very certain about the team. You know, you look at, you know, there's lots of players there, but. I think you know our listeners. If if you asked, you know, twenty of our listeners to name mm. a starting lineup, they might they could probably come up with about fifteen different combinations of teams, maybe yeah. more. It's no one's really quite sure what the best Argyle team is at the moment. Yeah, one thing that did work last year um, was the front three of mm. Taylor, Ramirez, mm. and, and Graham Carey. And yeah. you know, we, I think when we started the season, we were all pretty convinced that that's yeah. what Derek Adams would have done. He hasn't. He's obviously brought Ladapo into the team instead. But do you think that's maybe something that he could look at? Is perhaps going back to those three because he, he kind of knows what he's going to get from them and he could get a few goals from doing that? Well, he, he certainly knows what those three are capable of as a, as a trio. So, um, I mean, it, it, is, it is odd that, you know, you looked at the bench on on Saturday and they had David Fox, Ryan Taylor, Graham Carey and Ruben Lemiris all named among the substitutes. Now... I don't think anyone would have predicted that a month ago when the season started that all four of those players who yeah. were key last season would all be on, on the bench it's, it's quite a turnaround um, I think Freddie Ladapo has shown you know glimpses to ju- to justify his selection over Ryan Taylor at the moment remember Ryan Taylor missed most of pre-season um, and it isn't easy to miss most of pre-season no. and then suddenly hit the ground running you know it, that isn't that isn't easy, and I think the Dapo's shown enough with his pace and mobility. He's got a couple of goals. Um, that you know, he's he in that central striking position is um, is worth his place in the team at the moment. It's um, just difficult, isn't it, when you're trying to find those permutations that work? And mm. you know, you talk about partnerships earlier on at, yeah. at centre half, but you want that in attack as well, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you it, know. It, football's all about partnerships and understanding, isn't it? You yeah. know, and. Um, you know that's why you know club sides tend to be better than international sides because club sides spend so much time training and playing together, don't they? And in international football, you throw people from different clubs and they have like a few days training and right off you go and you, you expect them to play this fully functioning like Brazil, brilliant, yeah, <laughs> like brilliant, brilliant team. So Kerry and the Mirrors is a, is a fascinating situation at the moment, isn't it? You know because yeah. you know that we know how good they are, we know they're match winners. Um, but they're not really showing it at the moment. You know, Carey's not at his best. It was a bit like this at the start of last season. Um, I think there was a goal against Shrewsbury, if I remember rightly, where he smacked one in from 25, 30 yards uh, in October it was. And he, he after that, there was yeah. no looking back. And that's why... I that, think he went on to get the player of the month as well, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and if that shot had gone in against Portsmouth, that might have been the thing that, that yeah. kick-started this season. So he just needs something to get him going. Um, you know, he's not playing at the level that you know we know he's capable of. He'll be aware of that, I'm sure. Um, but I'm not sure in the circumstances that Argyle are in that not playing him is is the way to go. Yeah, he is a match winner. You know, now is he playing brilliantly? No, but he is a match winner. He can win a game out of out of nothing. So I think whatever way Argyle go and Derek Adams goes, to my mind. You need to have Carey in that team somewhere. Well, you don't um, become a bad player overnight, do you? No, he's you know he's he's proven over the last three years you know what he's capable of. He did last season, you know he's playing the year last season, so 
Ruben the Mirror has, you know, has been a bit hot and cold in his time at Argyle, hasn't he? Let's be honest. You know, the start of last season he wasn't figuring at all. Yeah. Second half of last season he was excellent. Um, he seems to have been, you know, less effective again at the start of the season. Uh, you know, dropped out of the squad. He played in the Southwest Peninsula League team. He was back on the bench on um, on Saturday at Portsmouth. I thought he did okay when he came on. Um, so you know, you, you look at it and you think, well, is it is it worth? You know, for Bristol Rovers away on Saturday, is it worth a dapper up front of Carey and the Mirrors? Go back a little bit to what we've seen before and see if that works. But you know, I think Derek Adams is, has got you know concerns about the way that Carey and the Mirrors have played this season and what they've contributed and what they have done and what they haven't done. Um, so yeah, again, that all comes back to the finding a settled team and, yeah. and even. Talented players like Carey and Amiris are, are definitely not guaranteed their place at the moment. Far from it. I think the surprising thing with for me from looking from the outside is is just seeing how many mistakes Carey's making and mm. they're, they're leading to goals. You know, I think mm. he's given away two penalties mm. already. Yeah. You mentioned the third goal on on yeah. Saturday as well. It's, yeah. it's so on Graham Carey like. It's you know sometimes it's confidence. You know your confidence isn't down uh, is down so you, you're not at your best that way. Um, sometimes you try and force things too much. You're so trying so hard to try and make something happen that you actually end up making it worse. Mm. Um, that's probably the case with him uh, because uh, he knows how key he is to our goal. So there's all sorts of combinations that, that um, can and can't sort of work. So um, he'll just be, um, you know, he'll he'll be working away. Our goal needing to come good. This is it's as simple as that. You know, you, you know, there's no such thing as a one-man team. But you know, as I always say to you know, when I speak to opposition journalists quite often before a game and they say, well, who's the main man to, to watch out for? And I always say Graham Carey because he is a match winner. Mm-hmm. And when he plays well and is influential, I'll go I'll play well. So um, they need to get him firing, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, it was interesting to read Gary Sawyer's quotes after the game. and He was pretty sort of open with you in, in, in saying that the players had a bit of an inquest. Mm. Um, again, it's it's shades of last yes. season, isn't it? Exactly yes. the same happened after the Fleetwood game. It is. It's... it's it, it does feel like last season. If you swap the penalties, red cards. It does. Yeah. You know, it does feel. Um, I mean, one thing I would say is that you know, it's not always a lot of fun for a player to come out after a after a game and, and speak to the media. It's the last thing they want to be doing. Yeah. Um, because I can assure you, when you see the Argyle players came out of the dressing room at Fratton Park on Saturday, they were not happy. You know, and you wouldn't expect them to be. But sometimes fans wonder: Does it really? Do they really care? Does it? Does it hurt? And Gary, one of the things Gary Sawyer said very early on in the interview was, you know, if, it, if days like today don't hurt you, you shouldn't be in professional football. Yeah. It hurts, and you could see that. You know, he re, um, he was asked by Rick Cowdery, Argyle's head of communications, to to come and have a chat with us, and you could see that it was the last thing he really wanted to do. He just wanted to get on the bus and go home. But he came across, and and credit where credit's due, he was very um, open and honest, and he answered the questions. And uh, I, I thought it was quite a, an interesting interview he gave. He mentioned the fact that the players had had a long chat, they'd aired stuff together, and that's that's good. Mm. You know, in, in the situation they're in, there's no point, you know, beating about the bush. You know, I think it was a good opportunity um, after a game like that for, for things to be aired and said. And um, hopefully, if there were any things that were just niggling away in people's minds, you know, they if they've been addressed or aired, that's always a, always a good thing. Um, so yeah, I, th- I thought he spoke very well, and um, you know we'll see if it has um, the desired uh, effect. Because after the, the Fleetwood 
um, sort of behind closed doors chat the players had. They that sort of started the run. I think they had a home game against Shrewsbury the following Saturday. They drew that and then they started building. So um, sometimes you know if you want to call it inquests or whatever it is about what's gone on are needed you know the players have had a, have a good long chat they should should all know where each other stands where the, where the manager stands and you know it's six games in it's, I, I, I can hear myself saying this time last year <laughs> yeah. it's six games in it's not where I want to be it's not ideal uh, but there are 40 games to go, you know, and you, there does come a point where you can't still say, well, it's still reasonably early in the season, you know, at some point you've got to turn it around. Six games in, there's an awful lot of football to be played. Um, they've made life difficult for themselves in terms of, you know, being bottom of the table and putting themselves under pressure. And we're all talking about, well, you know, same as last season, isn't it? And yeah. that's not really what we wanted to be doing, but uh, they are where they are and they've got to turn it around. Yeah, it's interesting as well the fact that you know there was no mention of Derek Adams being involved in those talks either. It just seemed to be like a yeah a players inquest. No, I think I think the, I think the staff were in there as well. Um, I think that was um, because we we had quite a long wait afterwards um, before we saw anyone. Um, Derek Adams was quite a while before he came out, um, and it was it was probably um, quarter to six, ten to six before we saw Derek Adams and then Gary Sawyer was after that. So it was probably six o'clock-ish before the, inter- the post-match interviews were done, yeah. which is, you know, quite late by, by Argyle standards. They normally happen a bit before that. So no, I think I think everyone that needed to be there was, was there. Yeah, I didn't mean that. I meant in the, in the sense that sometimes the manager just likes to mm. observe what's going on mm. and it's good for him to see the oh, players yeah. having a chat amongst themselves. Absol- absolutely, yeah. Addressing and, the issues. You know, sometimes you need you know leaders in the dressing room to yeah. step forward and and uh, initiate stuff like this. I don't know exactly how it came about, but it was interesting that Gary Sawyer was prepared to talk about it. He was quite open that that, that it had happened and. Uh, you know, um, I think the line was, you know, heated talks happen sometimes. So, you know, I'm sure it wasn't, you know, everyone patting each other on the back. You wouldn't mm. expect it to be, but uh, yeah. you know, some sometimes in a in a football dressing room, it's important that you know things are aired and people know where each other's coming from. And yeah. uh, so we'll we'll see what that happens. But um, they were hurt. You know, they, if if it's it won't be any consolation to the Argyle fans, I know. But you know, the players were hurting on Saturday. Yeah. That that. As, as much as that hurt the Green Army to see a 3-0 defeat and to have most of the game you know, being you know, taunted by the Portsmouth fans and, and that's what happens in football they would have done exactly the same thing if the role, roles were reversed it's not a nice experience for them on Saturday and then, um, but I, I can assure them that the players look thoroughly miserable and uh, you know, Gary Sawyer's comments I think if, if, if you can get any crumb of consolation from, from what happened at Fratton Park it is that it hurt the players, they know they have to do better, and by having this clear the air talks, they've at least acknowledged that, right, okay, we've got to get going. So I, I would take that as a positive. Yeah, and it's interesting you mentioned leadership there as well, and that, of course, in Sonny Bradley is something that they're again kind of lacking this year, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's up to those that come in mm. to step forward and be the new leaders. It is, and you know, the, one of the issues with that is that a lot of the ones that have come in are younger players yeah. who naturally aren't necessarily going to be instant leaders, but you are looking... And it's tough to come to a new club and just, you know, sort of mm. stamp your authority on, on a group of players. Absolutely. So, so, you know, you are looking at David Fox, Jamie Ness, Anthony Sarsavik, Graham Carey, Ryan Taylor. You're looking at those sort of players. Ryan Edwards, of course. Yeah. You know, players 
they're the, the sort of the leaders, the more experienced ones in the squad, the people that have been at the club, know what the club's like, know what the, the values of it are. Um, you need you need those to, to come to the fore. And again, if, if 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 you're looking for positives, and we do our three up, three down column, don't we, Stu? And you know, you look for three positives, hard. three negatives. <laughs> it was hard on Saturday to find yeah. three positives. I have to be honest, but but Jamie Ness, I thought was superb. You know, he 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 really was determined. He, he was trying to get his teammates to play. He was all over the place. That was exactly the type of performance that should inspire his teammates to say, look, if Jamie Ness is doing that, that's the sort of level of performance I need to be producing. So yeah. um, I did think he, he was Argonne's best player by, by a long way on Saturday. Yeah. Portsmouth coming up again now on Tuesday. Well, yeah, I was just about to say, mm. you know, I'm moving away from Portsmouth because we're not. <laughs> because, as you say, uh, it's the Under-23 Cup on Tuesday night mm-hmm. um, up at Home Park. Yeah, what do you what do you think of the idea of a un- Premier League under twenty three cups? You, um, I quite like it. Yeah, I must admit. Although I, I, I'd rather do away with the the under twenty three line, to be honest, because mm. you know you, you said to me earlier on, can you play experienced? I wasn't players? sure. And, yeah. yeah, and you can. You know, mm. it's those mm. crazy. So it's a reserve team competition. It's a reserve team competition. So just mm. make it a reserve team competition, mm. and you can play whoever you like. Mm. I just feel that sometimes you get to a stage in these under twenty three comp or in reserve team football. Mm where there's so much emphasis on under-21s and under-23s that a lot of senior pros are not getting as much football as they should do yeah. because of these you know, limitations on, on yeah. age. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I like the idea of it. Argyle haven't entered it before. So the, the, if, if you don't know, the game against Portsmouth at Home Park on Tuesday night, which we will be live blogging, Jack yep, Ball Jack's up there. is going to be there. Um, should be a good game. Um, it's a, basically going to be two reserve teams. Uh, playing so Argyle in theory should have quite a strong team in, in that and I'm sure Portsmouth will as well uh, and the winner of this one-off game then goes into the group stages of the competition and they would be um, in the same group as Aston Villa Bristol City and Derby County now I know people will be saying hang on a minute none of them are in the Premier League but this is a competition run by the, the, the Premier yeah. League um, but you play those three teams home and away so you would have six games against Villa Bristol City and uh, Derby County. Yeah. Now I think that would be a good level of games for some of our old younger players, the the uh, Alex Fletchers and Alex Battles and, and the younger ones, but also you know some of the senior work players that aren't getting games. So I think it would be very beneficial for our if they could win tomorrow night. Uh, the good thing about it is that down here, of course, there's there's so few opportunities mm. to play against good quality yeah. reserve team. Op- Opposition, you know, actually, yeah. Yeovil, mm. Torquay are, are kind mm. of out the picture at the moment. Mm. So um, it, it just gives the reserve team mm. or the under twenty threes that opportunity to play good competitive football against mm. high class opposition. Now I don't know where the games against Villa, Bristol City, and Derby would be played. I would have thought that the, the home games though would be played at home park. You would imagine, and they, you know, you imagine you know Villa coming down or something like that. That's actually yeah. quite an appetising game isn't it well so you charge a couple of quid yeah. and you can make, make a bit of money you from would it, have thought you? a few people would come along and see that So, it, and it would be a good standard of a real proper good standard of opposition so mm. I think it would definitely help certainly the younger players that would possibly be involved in the Premier League Cup if, if Argyle could win that one they've got six games at least in the group stages that's not you know even if they went further in the competition they would, yeah. would have even more so um I think it'd be a good it'd be a good game, and if if they could, if they could get a win there, 
Um, there's some potentially uh, attractive games coming up, so plenty at stake at that one. So yeah. uh, well, certainly when you see the other teams that are in the competition as mm. well, you know, you've got Man City, Chelsea, yeah. Liverpool. Yeah. yeah. So you know, get through the group stages and mm. potentially get one of those. And um, again, you're looking at a nice, attractive. But you've got six games there. You've got twelve in the Central League. So there's eighteen games that sort of young, the sort of first and second year pros at Argyle, and any first uh, they're get, they're going to get. And so that's starting to fill that void where you know a few years ago it felt like the reserves were hardly playing any games. Yeah. So if they if they could get through, it would be important. So um, yeah, if you're not going to Home Park, keep an keep an eye on it on the on the blog because I think that should be. Uh, Quite an interesting game, that one. Yeah, most definitely. Right, now we will move away from Portsmouth yes. now and look ahead <laughs> to the weekend. Um, probably too early to start talking about six-pointers. I don't yes. like that cliche no. because, you know, as you say, there's still mm. 40 games to go. So yes. how can you have a six-pointer in September? Yeah. But um, Argyle don't really want to lose this one, do they? Because no. they don't want to get too far adrift at the bottom and Rovers are down there struggling as well. Yeah, a bit of a surprise that Rovers have... have have had the start they've had um, so you've got two teams in the bottom four I think it is as, as things stand yeah it's, it's not a six pointer it's way way too early in the season but you don't want to lose that one that's for for sure um, you know Argyle have, have found it hard at Rovers over over recent times um, uh, you know again um, a lot smaller ground the Fratton Park but the fans are on top of you they, they let you know make what they're noise. thinking yeah. they make a noise so um you know, if you let Rovers get on top of you, you know it can be a long afternoon. So, uh, uh, be interesting to see uh, what what teams picked. You know how Argyle approach the game, but yeah, the, the the bare minimum really is 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 a, is a draw up there just to start trying to build some some build, building blocks up and, and go from there. Uh, a win would be great, and any win is going to be great. Now, it, it doesn't matter if it's one nil in the 89th minute with an own goal off. Somebody's back at somebody's heel or something like that. They, they they just need to start potting points on the board. But uh, it's it's always a difficult place to go to Bristol Rovers. They they never make it easy. They'll be smarting, I suspect, from uh, the start of the season. They made some on paper some quite good signings in the summer, and uh, you would, you would have thought that they'd be aiming for a lot higher than where they are at the moment. Yeah. And um, hopefully we'll catch up with Martin Starnes, our uh, ex guest of the. Yeah. Of the podcast, who's now the chief executive of Bristol Rovers, so um, hopefully get a chance to see him on Saturday and uh, and uh, see how he's getting on. But yeah, it's, uh, I mean, there's a few Argyle links there. Chris Harbury's being part of the the coaching setup of Bristol Rovers, so um, yeah, there's a few links there. But Argyle need to go there, and if they could get a win, you know, they they just need a kickstart to the season. They just need to get going, yeah. and um, I think performances. I think what I would agree with is that I'm not too bothered about the the quality of the performance. It's just getting the win at the moment. And if they have to play a bit ugly and uh, and grind out a one 0 win, then I'll happily take that on Saturday. Yeah, not even necessarily a win, but a draw. You know, a, a draw sheet and uh, just uh, a start, yeah, a building block. A, a building block. You know, eleven goals in the last three games is concerning. Mm. So let's stop that rot. And yeah, I mean. You know, it, it doesn't sound that exciting, I know, but a nil-nil draw would not be the worst result in the world by any stretch of the imagination. Well, it was like Shrewsbury last year. I mm. think that's what they had at home mm. park, wasn't it? Yeah. And that was yeah. the sort of start of the run. Just, a couple just, of clean sheets. Then that, those draws became yeah. one-nil wins mm. and it, it, the wheels turned from that. Yeah, so it's, it's been the theme of this podcast, hasn't it? Yeah. Let's, you know, try and build and get going. So um, 
we'll see how it goes. Um, going to be another interesting week at Home Park, I think. Yeah, well, I'll put you on the spot a little bit mm. then, Chris. If you're Derek I Adams, love then, I know. <laughs> yeah, you're Derek Adams. Yes. You're in training this week, then. Yes. What, what would you be focusing on? I suppose just getting that settled back four. I, I, want, to, I want to get a settled back four is my, my, my main priority at the moment. Um, would he consider playing three centre-backs? I know that's an option and some people have talked about that and playing with wing-backs. Uh, because Smith Brown and say Tafori Moore yeah. could play as wing backs. Um, he briefly tried three at the back. I think it was at Tavistock in pre season and it didn't work that well. Um, it's difficult to switch from a four to a three centre backs when you're playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, you know, and what have you like to do at the start of the season. Um, they've got clear weeks now. They've got clear yeah. weeks now. They haven't got Tuesday games throughout September. So you, that is something you could start to work on if you wanted to. Um, but Derek Adams has never really struck me as being massively keen on playing at three, three centre backs, three central defenders. So we need to get the back four. So this week, if, if I'm the manager, I'm looking to try and get a clearer picture in my mind of what are the best four players at the back and try as best as possible but performances and mistakes can dictate this to try and stick to that back four as much as I possibly can and get that back five really well drilled um, but I wouldn't want anyone to think that it's just the defence's fault that they've conceded the 11 goals it's been a, t- a collective thing where they're, they're conceding goals but let's try and nail the defence down so that's that's what I'd be, I'd be doing and um, try different combinations and training I'm sure they'll play a few practice games you know all sorts of bits and pieces to try and work out what you're going to go with you know are you going to stick with Ryan Edwards and Gary Sawyer if not you know, you you know, just Scott Wooten coming back in again. You know, Noel Canavan's been in and out, and you know, Peter Grant is a centre back that hasn't even featured, yeah. hasn't even been in the match yeah. squad yet. Um, so you know, he seems to be like, you know, fifth choice centre back at the moment. You know, but is it is it worth having a look at him in a game? You know, if things aren't working, you know, is he worth a shot? I mean, I've I've seen very little of him, um, yeah. obviously, so difficult to say. But yeah, get drill that back four this yeah. week as hard as you can and uh, and see where that takes you at Bristol Rovers on Saturday yeah. I, I totally agree with that and I, I think what I'd be inclined to do at Bristol Rovers as well if I was Derek Adams I know you say Ladapo's been playing well but mm. I'd be I'd be tempted to drop him and then mm. bring back Kerry, Limirez and Taylor yeah. because mm. those three know each other and they, you know mm. towards back in the last season they were fantastic mm. so you can almost you know mm. in training you have to focus on one thing really don't you yes so you can let those three just concentrate on what they do best, yeah. be happy with that, and then focus on the back line. I'm sure there are lots of podcast listeners who have just gone here, here, when you <laughs> just said that, Stu, because I, I, I suspect that quite a few other fans would like this. Mm. Not, not everyone. Um, but, but then I, it's, it's dependent on Ryan's fitness, isn't it? You yeah. Know, if he's not yeah, fully fact, match fit and I, struggling with his ankle still, then... Yeah, I don't think he's struggling with his ankle. I think he's fit. He's not going to be fully match fit because he hasn't played enough games to get fully match fit in his... It's that chicken and an egg situation, isn't it? He's, yeah. he's not going to get match fit if he doesn't play more. But if his performances aren't up to the standard we know he's capable of, and Dapo's doing a reasonable job, he's not going to get picked. No. So it's. And then you look at last year, of course, when he was out at the start of the season, misses three ma- uh, three months, mm. came in in the Jürgen mm. Czech trade game, and yeah. that was it. He was up and running. Yeah. So he j- maybe just needs to stick him in the team and. Mm. Give him a run. It's, it's it's at the stage where every team, sort of an hour before the kickoff, when the team comes out at the moment, it's always fascinating to see what the team is because I don't. I, yeah. I, you, if you put me on the spot and said, "What team do you think it will be on Saturday?" I really haven't got a clue. 
there could be all sorts of different combinations and um, and that is the problem I think yeah. there's, there's far too many variables at the moment we need you know we need to get the full backs sorted out we need to get the centre backs sorted out we need to get that front three if it's going to be a front three and, and get it nailed in settled so that you know there's obviously going to players come in and out because of injuries suspensions loss of form and whatever but there isn't a lot of certainty about the personnel or the formation at the moment and obviously that needs to change indeed right well that's all we've got time for Chris thanks ever so much for joining me yeah um, thank you Stu thanks for your company yeah likewise we're it would be get... very boring just listening to me talking <laughs> away wouldn't it well there's some, certainly some uh, interested yeah. and, and valid points as yeah. always and um We'll try and get Jack back next week to yeah. get his views as well. Get Jack on, because he's, he's seeing a lot of the games, so yeah. um, it'd be good to get his thoughts on... Uh, he's coming up to Bristol Rovers, so... Um, yeah, and um, not to forget as well that like, he's going to be at the Pompey game tomorrow yes. night, so uh, if you yeah. are looking to keep an eye out for that one, then stay tuned to Plymouth Live, and Jack will be bringing you all the updates from Home Park. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. We are always happy to hear from you, and if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account, at HeraldPAFC, or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.